Hey, this is Tyler Johnson, pastor of Mission Church located in Walnut Creek, California. I want to say thank you for tuning in. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you live the life God called you to live. Enjoy. All right, are you ready for the message? We just finished a series, uh, What Jesus Wants. Um, I really enjoyed it. If you missed one of those, uh, I thought it was a uh, really important culture series for our church. It really is just discipleship culture. I preached, I think, four of them. Mike T had a great one in there that I loved. Uh, my, maybe my favorite Mike T message you ever preached, to be honest. I don't rank them, but that was my favorite. Um, uh, so check this out. But we're back in the series, This Is Our God. We're trying to go through the whole Bible, six, six books, remember 40 authors. And we are in the book of Jonah today. Greatest fish story ever told. Come on now. Um, now, you need to understand something about the book of Jonah. Uh, it's a beautiful story about this one man who gets revived, and then God uses him to revive a region. Uh, it's, it's a beautiful thing. Uh, you can't revive a city unless you revive first. You can't revive your family unless you revive first. You, you can't share grace unless you've experienced grace first. And, and so I want to share the whole, the, whole, the whole book with you. It's four chapters. I'll give you the outline real quick just so you know where we're going. Uh, chapter one is Jonah running from God. So Jonah runs from God. Chapter two is Jonah runs to God. Chapter three is Jonah runs with God. And then chapter four, Jonah has a run-in with God. Come on, come on, come on. Um, I, I love the picture of Jonah. The, the essence of it is, is very simple. Uh, if you know anything about the, the word sin, it's, it's such a churchy word. And people are like, you know, you hear, you know, don't sin or, you know, thinner or whatever you hear. Um, but literally the Greek word sin just simply means this, to miss the mark. Uh, to, to be off point. And, and what the picture of the, the story of Jonah really what shows is this man of Jonah uh, who is living a life of sin is running from God. And a life of sin just means you're running from God. But what I love about the story of Jonah is that uh, Jonah is a really good runner, but God's even faster than Jonah because grace chases him down. And if I'm being honest, all of us, the Bible even shows Isaiah 53, 6, that all of us have been led astray. All of us have wandered. All of us were runners. But God is a faster runner than you are, and he is chasing you down with goodness and mercy. Can I get an amen for that? Let's pray. Let's go into the word. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go now. Uh, God, we love you. Oh, we love you, Jesus. God, we come to you, and we ask that we would encounter you this morning, God, that we would hear your word, God, that it would go into our heart, and it would transform us. God, it would set us free, that it would revive our soul. I come against apathy. I come against depression, come against anxiety, come against all the enemies, Lord. And I just simply say, God, would you have your way? May freedom meet us in this place. God, may my words fall to the floor and your words soar. And everybody said, Amen. all right, we're going to start in Jonah 1, all four chapters. I hope you got time, 36 minutes. Let's see if I can do it. Here we go. Uh, Jonah 1, verse 1. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Stop. We got to go first verse right there. The word of the Lord came to Jonah. This is a rhythm in uh, the, the, uh, this book. The time of message is the God of second chances. You'll notice that Jonah keeps running, but guess what keeps coming? The word of the Lord. The word of the Lord keeps, comes to him a second time. He's the God of second chances, third chance, four chances. So the word of the Lord comes to Jonah. Now, I want you to uh, understand what happens when the word of the Lord comes to you. If you are a brand new um, seeker, you're checking out church, and you're hearing um, me preach for the first time, or your friend brought you here, or you're a new believer the last few months, and you're hearing about Jesus and the goodness of God and the greatness of God, I want you to know something. When the word starts to get planted, shame's days are numbered. When the word of God gets planted, anxiety's days are numbered. Let me, let me, let me just say it this way. Um, before there were chemicals to fix the lawn, our front lawn was looking really bad. Weeds, crabgrass, it was just, looked like clovers everywhere. I called True Green. They did their thing for six months. 
lawn's beautiful, okay? Chemicals are a powerful, beautiful thing, okay? Um, so anyways, before there were chemicals, they would actually uh, not spray chemicals. They would plant these grass plugs in their lawns. And so the grass plugs were basically little grass, um, um, uh, little sprouts. And they were so powerful that if you gave them a year to grow, the crabgrass and the weeds, they weren't strong enough. The grass was stronger and it would grow over them and destroy them. So in one year, your lawn would look beautiful again. And that picture, if I could just show you real quick, is when you plant the grass plugs, the weeds have no idea that their days are numbered. But the days are numbered because the grass is coming. And what happens in your soul is when the word of the Lord comes and you hear for the very first time that Jesus loves you, he died on a cross for you. When you were John 3, 16, for, the time, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. When those seeds get planted in your soul. Shame may think it has its day, but shame's days are numbered because the, the word of the Lord is going to spread. It says in Psalm 119, I've hidden your word in my heart, O Lord, that I may not sin against you. If you got a struggling and sin problem, it's probably because you got a word problem. You ain't playing the word enough. The reality is the more and more you plant the word in your soul, anxiety, shame, worry, frustration, those things uh, have an expiration date because the word is more powerful. Can I get amen for that? That's just the first verse, okay. <laughs> second verse, here we go. I'm just kidding, it's like the whole thing. Uh, it's actually, never mind, I do stop the second verse. Uh, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. Stop, second verse, okay. Um, you'll see another thing in this. Uh, I promise I'm not gonna go verse by verse, just the, just the very beginning. The, uh, there's another rhythm. You'll see the Lord talk about Nineveh as a great city, a great city. Now, you need to know something about Nineveh. It's, it's an evil city, it's it's. Uh, it is a ruthless city. Uh, it's the most powerful city in all the world at this moment. Um, but the Lord keeps on calling it a great city. And you look at the translation of great. The reason why the Lord calls it great is a handful of reasons. One is numerically, it's the greatest city. And then also geographically, it takes three days to walk uh, from each side. It's, it's a massive city. But the reason why it's a great city is it's a strategic city. The Lord's saying, if you go and you have a revival in Nineveh, it could change the world. Go to this strategic city, preach the word, and watch the whole world change. Can I tell you something, Mission Church? We're in a great region. We are 10 million people. If the Bay Area has revival, the whole world's gonna feel it. Can you imagine what Metaverse is gonna look like once Zuckerberg gets saved? You know what I'm saying? Churches on every corner in Metaverse, you know? Uh, little, little encouraging Bible verses in Metaverse. I've never been in Metaverse, but I guess that's what, you know, that's kind of what it is. But can you imagine if, 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 if the word of the Lord swept through the Bay Area, what would happen? It would spill in to this region. So he's saying to Mission Church, just like he's saying to Jonah, come on now, this, is, this isn't an old book. It's a timeless book. It tells us what happened, but also tells us what to do in the future. Come on now. And if the word of the Lord spread through the Bay Area, woo, what could it do to the world? Amen? But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed to Tarshish. Okay, I'm going verse by verse, actually. This is hilarious. Um, uh, I think it's funny. So, so, so Jonah gets told by the Lord, hey, I want you to go preach the word in Nineveh. Jonah is a prophet. And so the Lord goes, go preach. And Jonah goes, no thanks, and starts running away from his calling. We've got ourselves a runner, okay? Uh, Jonah is the worst prophet in the Old Testament, if you ask me. I ranked them, okay? Um, Jonah is like the Christian lady at church that's really mean but named Grace. You know what I'm talking about? Like, <laughs> hi, my name's Grace, but I'm ruthless and I'm mean and I'm judgmental. Nice to meet you. I'm a Christian. Like, like, like th those, don't, those shouldn't go together. And so, so Jonah is that type of prophet. He is literally on this planet uh, uh, given the authority knitted and called to have the, the nature of God and communicate the character and love of God. And he gets this mission and he runs away. 
Now, you need to know something. He runs away to Tarshish, and Nineveh is 500 miles east, and it's a walk. It's a 500-mile walk to Nineveh. Uh, Tarshish is 2,500 miles uh, west, and it's going to be a boat ride through the sea. Um, to give you a kind of geographic uh, uh, relativity to today, uh, um, um, Nineveh was a modern-day Iraq, and then Tarshish was actually the coast of Spain. Now, to give you a little more context, in the map that Jonah had, that was the end of the earth. They didn't know anything farther than that. Tarshish was the farthest thing at the end of the earth. So, so, so he calls Jonah to literally preach the gospel to Nineveh, and Jonah's decision is to go as far away as possible from his calling. Can I just tell you something real quick? It is exhausting rebelling from God. It, it is harder work to rebel than it is to follow. It, it, is, it is more dangerous to rebel than it is to follow. That this man is willing to rebel and choose what, what he decides to do. A, a, a ship ride is going to be more, 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 uh, more painful. It's more dangerous. It's going to take longer. But he's rather, he's, it's like the person who decides to date their way instead of God's way. It's way worse. It doesn't pan out well. It's like the person who decides to do their schedule their own way instead of God's way. It's like, you might as well just be going to Tarshish. I, you know those parents that have those little uh, ropes on their little babies that, because they're runners? You know what I'm talking about? Like, we got ourselves a runner, you know, and then they reel them in. I used to judge those parents until I realized that's how God deals with all of us, okay? We all have this little thing on us, and it's called grace, and we start running to Tarshish, and God's like, no, 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 no. I want you to go where I promised you. Uh, I, if you would just... Uh, understand the cost of rebellion. Rebellion has no life. It has no fruit. It just has a lot of work and a lot of turmoil. But following God has a lot of joy. There is a risk in it. It is scary at times, but it's the greatest thing you can do. Can I get a man for that? All right, we're three verses in, 10 minutes in. All right, this is going great. Um, let's see what happens. Okay, here. Uh, he went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound from the, uh, the port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailored for Tarshish and fled uh, from the Lord. Stop. I'm going, okay, this is my, I promise this is my last one. So this is one, we're four verses in. Um, I, I, I was wondering, this is a bonus content for today. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. As you start to follow God, you need to know something. There will always be other ships willing to take you somewhere else. There will always be a friendship willing to walk you away from God and not walk you to God. There will always be an invitation to have you uh, go do something that would not please God instead of actually please God. Those doors will always be there. There will always be a fare to pay, and you're going to have to become a Christian. And goes, I understand those, uh, those requests and relations will be there, but I'm not going to say yes to them. Watch out for those boats. Uh, after paying the fare, he went aboard and sailored for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. So let's, let's look at this way. Why did Jonah run? Why was he so rebellious? And I think we have to give him a little bit of sympathy, empathy. I think we need to understand the heart of this. Um, I think if we were Jonah, we probably would do the same thing. Isaiah 53, like I said, it says that we've all wandered, we've all strayed. So we're all runners. But we're not talking about you today. We're not talking about me. We're talking about Jonah. Okay? And so Jonah uh, is running from Tarshish, uh, running from Nineveh, excuse me. Uh, something you need to know about the Assyrians, uh, Assyria was the, the nation, Nineveh was the capital, is they were the most ruthless nation in all the world and the most powerful. It would be like being a Jewish man being called to go preach to the Nazis in the 1940s and going straight to Berlin. Like, let me, let me, can I, I got, I got to unpack this, how intense the Assyrians were. So you understand uh, one reason why he was running. So uh, as, um, as Jonah hears this call, he goes, go to the Assyrians. Well, the Assyrians to their enemies, when they would defeat an enemy in war, they would cut their legs off, cut one of their arms off, but leave one arm so they could shake their hand in a mocking manner. 
They would take their, uh, their enemies and in, front of their, uh, in front of their cities. They would bury them in the sand, stake their mouth open so they would dehydrate to death in a gruesome fashion. Uh, they would take the heads of their enemies and cut their heads off and build pyramids so you'd walk in and see a pyramid of all their enemies' heads. They would take their enemies and make them watch the Kardashians on repeat days after days after days. I just had to sweep it in there. Like, like what would the Assyrians do today? You got to watch keeping up the card. Not another day. No, give me the stake. Give me the stake. Bury me in the sand over the Kardashians. Um, they were ruthless. So, so you need to know something. Jonah is risking his life. Maybe <clears throat> Jonah knows that God is calling him to maybe a one-way trip, a one-way ticket of risking his life to go preach the gospel. So Jonah has fear. Literally, have him turn around and run. I wrote this down. You can either live a life of fear for self-preservation or live a life of faith for God glorification. Let's play, let's play a little game real quick. Uh, there's a story uh, in the Bible, very famous in the book of Numbers. It's where the Lord promises the promised land, 12 spies go out, uh, they come back, 10 are afraid. No, we can't do it, it's gonna be so scary. And then uh, two, Joshua and Caleb are like, we got this, God said it, if he's with us, we're gonna do it. And so the 10 spies talk everybody out of going to the promised land. It's an upsetting moment. Uh, now let's, let's, uh, let's read some names. And let me know if you know these, um, anybody with this name or if you are this person. Uh, does anybody know a Shaphat? Anybody know a Shaphat? Any Shaphats in the house? Okay, didn't think so. Okay. Uh, any Shemuas? Does anybody know a Shemua in the house? Any Shemuas? I was nervous there was going to be like a Shemua in the house. I'm like, oh, sorry. Great name. Nice to meet you. Okay. Um, any Agals? Any Agals? Igles? Igles? I-G-A-L? Okay, didn't think so. Uh, any, any Paltis? Any Paltis? Okay, I uh, didn't think so. Uh, Gadiel? Anybody from Lord of the Rings in the house right now? Any Lord of the Rings? Okay, anybody had a parent that was a big Lord of the Rings fan? Okay, uh, Gaddy? Any Gaddies in the house? Okay, I didn't think so. Um, any uh, Amiels? Any Amiels? Okay, let's keep going. Um, Sether? Uh, can I get a Sether? Can I get a Sether? Okay, nope. Maybe some Seths, but not Sethers. Uh, any Nobbies? Any Nobbies? Avatar the movie? Didn't think so. Okay. Um, uh, any Ghouls? There's a ghoul in here. Anybody named ghoul? Okay, didn't think so. Um, anybody know a Joshua? Raise your hand. Oh, wow, there goes the hands. Okay, how about a Caleb? Raise your hand. You want to know why? Here's, a, here's why. Fear will keep you from your calling and uh, steal your le- legacy. It will steal the reason why you're on this planet. You want to know why churches haven't taken back ground the way they should? I think they're, uh, they're fear-filled of going out into the streets and actually preaching the gospel. I think that churches that are filled with faith and they know their calling, that the reason why I'm on this earth is to proclaim the goodness of God, to become, become a little Christ, if you will. See, so is that the best way? That the, 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 the church's purpose is to create little Christ, to love like Christ, to be like Christ. And if they're not doing that, they should, be, they should basically not be a church anymore. So if we're going to be a church, we're not going to have a fear for self-preservation. We're going to live a life for God glorification. Amen? All right, here we go. Um, I've got to read more than one verse. This is going to be crazy. Here we go. Okay. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God, and they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck, where they lay down and fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, how can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he'll take notice of us so that we will not perish. Then the sailors said to each other, Come, let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. They cast lots, and the lots fell on Jonah. So they asked him, Tell us, who is responsible for making all this trouble for us? What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? Let's just set this up real quick. Jonah has chosen to live a life of sin, and isn't it interesting that sin affects innocent people? 
when we choose to live a life rebellious of God, it hurts the people closest to us. It does not bring life to them. It brings also storms in their life that they never asked for. You need to understand something. Your decisions in life do not only affect you, they affect everybody else around you. And so, so, so this spills in their lap. And here's what Jonah says. He not only gets wakened up, uh, woken up uh, physically, he gets woken up spiritually. It says this, he answered, I am a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. I wrote this down, very simple. God has a tendency to use storms to wake us up. He will use storms to interrupt our rebellion. Stop. Uh, I am a uh, uh, pretty good interrupter. I, uh, Rachel and I will share stories, and we, what I call is we do the interruption game. Who can finish the other person's great story before somebody else says it? And so anybody else interrupt in marriage? Any other interrupters? It is one of Rachel and I's biggest, like, it's not even like a fight anymore. We kind of find it's adorable, but like adorable in a really annoying way. Do you know what I'm saying? Okay, anyways. Um, well, sometimes, sometimes Rachel will interrupt me uh, in a way that is good because if I finish the story, it's not a story I should have ever finished or should have shared the information on. Do you ever those moments like you're about to share something you're not supposed to share? Maybe it's like a surprise pregnancy you're not supposed to tell anybody and your spouse is like, blah, 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 look at this. You know, like they interrupt you right away. What God is trying to do at this moment is just like my wife, Rachel, shout out where she, oh, there she is. What's up, baby girl? Um, just <laughs> snuck up on me like a ninja. Um, uh, <laughs> she, she wasn't here during worship. That's why I'm saying that. I didn't know where she was. And then she just appeared magically. Um, so uh, Rachel will interrupt me and stop me from sharing a story. And sometimes it's a really good thing I didn't share the story. And what God is doing here right here is saying, Jonah, I'm going to interrupt your life because you don't want it to end this way. You don't want the story to keep going. I am, a, I am the best interrupter. I'm so good at interrupting that your story is going this way and it needs a big interruption. And I'm going to stop you from living this way, talking this way, and I'm going to turn it around. Uh, as I've grown as a believer, I have found interruptions to not be a, um, a, a punishment from God, but a divine intervention of an invitation from God. One of the greatest stories I can share is in the 1700s, there was a sailor. He was uh, sailing from West Africa uh, to America uh, on a slave ship. And uh, in the middle of it, there was a huge storm. And he cried out to God and said, God, if you would spare my life, my life is yours. And the storm subsided. As the storm subsided, he started to uh, uh, literally be grossed out and repent over a sin that he was using his life for the slave trade in the 1700s. And that, that man's name, of course, we, is very famous. His name's John Newton. And, and, I, and I, I, love, I love when I get to heaven, I want to ask him this, uh, this question. When did amazing grace birth in your soul? When did it come from you? Was it on the ship right after you got saved? Because you don't write a song, Amazing Grace, because you just know good lyrics. You write a song like Amazing Grace because you experienced the grace of God. I picture on the waves when he's sitting there and repenting that he literally just has it bubble up at us all. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. God interrupted my life at 16 years old. And I remember the way I was living my life was so selfish. The way that I dated girls, the way that I looked at sports for myself, the way that I looked at the world for my own gain, he interrupted my life. And it was amazing grace and it saved a wretch like me. And all of us have that moment if you've been saved before. If not, we're going to hook you up today. But the reality is, I wish I could tell you that once you get saved, you don't need any more storms to interrupt you. But I've been pastoring for 20 years now, and here's what I know, is we drift all the time. 
You may not be a runner, but you might be a drifter. And you just drift a little bit. And you get lazy in church and you, you miss church for a month and then you miss it for two months and you start living the way you used to live. And the only reason why you came back is because the storm hit your life again. Don't be mad at the storms. It's the God's way of turning you back to the promise of where he called you to go. Can I get an amen for that? <clears throat> Can you save the Amazing Grace little single I did? I want to listen to that later on. I thought it was pretty good. <laughs> You're like, it wasn't. Okay. Let's keep going. <laughs> I don't know. This terrified them, and they asked, what have you done? They knew he was running away from the Lord because he had already told them so. The sea was getting rougher and rougher, they, so they asked him, what should we do uh, to you to make the sea calm down for us? Pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know that it is my fault. This great storm has come upon you. I love that Jonah um, owns what he needs to own. You know, John Wooden, great basketball coach, but Christian, he says, you're not a failure until you blame others. It's not a failure until you start blaming. And Jonah right here goes, I failed, but I'm not going to let this be a failure in my life because I'm going to own what I need to own. I'm the one who's walking this way. I'm the one who's going to turn around. This isn't your storm. This is my storm. Throw me over. So he throws him over. Uh, so the men, uh, they did their best to row back to land, but they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. Then they cried out to the Lord, Please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man, for you, Lord, have done as you pleased. Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea uh, grew calm. At this, the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a uh, sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him, Jonah's prayer. Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of, of the fish for three days and three nights. I just love that verbiage. The Lord provided a huge fish. A huge fish. It's amazing what the Lord will provide in your life that does not look like a blessing. At that moment, a fish would not be what I would choose. Uh, uh, when we planted the church, uh, we were at Heather Farm, and we were about seven months old. It was a sweet little season. We had, we had uh, kids' ministry was outside and inside because it was a small facility. So we were doing outside kids' ministry for the elementary kids. We put some tents up for the kids, and we were trying to do our best. But, I mean, it was like thug life, ghetto church, but we were loving it. And so just church plant, you know. And I was loving it. People were getting saved every week. The church was growing. Um, and I had no plans to leave uh, Heather Farm. I was like, oh, we can be here for at least another year. Like, it's, it's a great place. I, I love it. And I get a call out of the blue. And the person who worked for the city, Donald, he was amazing. Don Shout out to Donald Scully. He was so sweet. He said, Tyler, uh, there's a gas leak in the kitchen. You guys have to move out in a month. And I remember being like, God, why did this happen? And I remember thinking the gas leak was from the enemy. Like, like just binding, binding the gas. Like, how dare like, we, we got momentum. And they may trying to come for us. And I remember even just being upset. Like, Lord, like, Lord we're, we're, we've served you faithfully. Like, what are we going to do? There's no other place. I, I, I knocked on every door in Walnut Creek for a, a facility. This was the only place that said yes. And so we are calling a church maybe for a Sunday night. And I remember circling back to the venue I wanted to go to the first place. But they wouldn't even talk to me at first. They wouldn't even let me have a meeting. It was a high school in the area. And I came back seven months later and just said, hey, We'd love uh, to rent your facility. We'd love to be a blessing. We'd love to, you know, if you have a need, we want to serve it. Um, is there any way that we could meet at the school? And for some reason, seven months later, same principal, same administration, for some reason in that season, they said, yes, you can meet here. And it was a huge, I mean, for us, I mean, if you knew the area, it was like no school, uh, no church had met there for 10 years. We moved into that, that high school. We doubled within a few months. I mean, God wanted more room to bring more people into this house. And, and I look at that gas leak and I go, that wasn't from the enemy. You provided a gas leak. You provided something to move me. You, you, you provided something that I would never would have thought would have been the thing I would have picked in that season to get me to the next promise for our church. I looked at it as a bad thing, but God, you provided it to actually move me to a great thing. 
Can, can I read you a, a story? And I don't know where you're at in your story right now. This is gonna, I think this is going to uh, preach to you. But this old Chinese proverb says this. A farmer and son had a beloved stallion who helped the family earn a living. One day the horse ran away and their neighbors were saying, oh, your horse ran away. What terrible luck, the farmer replied. The guy's response, maybe so, maybe not. We'll see. A few days later, the horse returned home, leading a few wild mares back to the farm as well. The neighbor shouted out, your horse has returned and brought several horses home with him. What great luck, the farmer replied. Maybe so, maybe not. We'll see. Later that week, the farmer's son was trying to break one of the mares, and she threw him to the ground, breaking his leg. The villagers cried, your son broke his leg. What terrible luck, the farmer replied. Maybe so, maybe not. We'll see. A few weeks later, soldiers from the National Army marched through town, recruiting all able-bodied boys for the army. They did not take the farmer's son, still recovering from his injury. Friends shouted, your boy is spared. What tremendous luck. To which the farmer replied, maybe so, maybe not. We'll see. Can I just tell you the way that you see your life? Imagine this being a piece of paper and you reading a piece of paper like this. You would be able to see one word and be like, tehi, taha, oh yeah, the, you know. That's all you could see. And what the story of Jonah is, what it's trying to do to us is trying to say, just take a step back real quick. And you're going to say, all I see right now is despair. All I see right now is betrayal. All I see right now is pain. I don't see anything else. And God's saying, if you could just take a step back, you would see that the next sentence literally says restoration. It shows peace. It shows great community. It shows a great story being written. And in the middle of your life right now, I don't know if you are uh, in the boat and it's still stormy and you need to surrender to God and just jump in and say, God, have your way with my life. And then he provides a way to move you. I have no idea where you're at, but if you could just take a step back today and say, God, I trust you. I trust what you're providing and putting in my life is not here to harm me and destroy me, but it is called to move me to my promise because I know your word, God. It says in Romans that everything that you do, it works for my good and for your glory. I'm gonna trust your word. Can I get amen for that? So we see Jonah running from God, and then we see God running him down. And I love when grace runs us down. Because when grace runs us down, salvation is inevitable. Uh, Chapter 2 is Jonah runs to God. And it says this, in my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. Uh, I just want to encourage you real quick. This week, maybe for the first time, every time you're having a hard time, just call on the Lord. Like, may that become the way that you live your life. Because the reality is, is that we have other muscles that we call on this, or we call on complaining, we call on worry, we call on stress, we call on worst case scenario even. But if you would actually call on the Lord, here's what the Bible says. In my distress, I called the Lord and he answered me. From the deep realm of the dead, I called for help and you listened to my cry. Goes on, he talks about, you know, the, the waves and, you know, the breakers were sweeping over him. Talks about, uh, uh, he, he called on God and the gulfing waters threatened him and the deep surrounded him. But here's what happened at the very end. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayers rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worth of idols turn away from God's love for them. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. What, a, what I have vowed, I will make good. I will say, salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Jonah has experienced grace, and I love what he says. Now I'm going to tell people about grace. I didn't deserve this grace. But now I'm going to let people know that I didn't deserve it and they don't, don't deserve it, but it is theirs to have. And so if I could just encourage you today, uh, if you're in any type of season where you just feel like, man, I just feel like when I go to bed, there's an elephant on my chest. When, I, when I'm walking around, I just feel like I just, I feel anxious all the time. The only way you find release, 
This is what the Bible shows, is when God will release you, is once you start calling, that's when releasing starts happening. And, and I know that, that we, we want to just think about it, but if you could just start calling this next season, I believe a lot of people are going to be set free. I have so many meetings right now. It is something where I've been praying every day now because it's just so prevalent. Anxiety, stress, and worry is just crippling people. And I got to teach you as your pastor, will you just start crying out to God all day long? Will you cry out to him in your car ride? Will you call out to him and just see what he does with your life? Can I get him in for that? So, so, so Jonah runs to God. Chapter three, Jonah runs with God. He runs with God. Uh, this gets uh, good. Um, historians, theologians say that Jonah three and the story of Nineveh being saved and repenting is one of the greatest revivals the world has ever seen. It would be like in the World War II, the whole Nazi party getting saved and repenting and worshiping God. Like it's that kind of revival. One that we, 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 we gloss past because it's so old, but you gotta understand it's a real thing and it was real powerful. Here we go. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Come on now. I love that God just keeps on coming a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to its message I give you. Jonah obeyed and the word of the Lord went to Nineveh. Now Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days to go through it. Jonah began going, uh, going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. The Ninevites believed God, a faster proclaimed, and all of them from the greatest to the least put on sackcloth. If I read the rest of it, it was the king, the greatest to the least to the, 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 the peasants. Can you imagine us proclaiming the word of God in California, and the next day you see Gavin Newsom repenting to God and telling everybody that Jesus is real. Can I get an amen for that? Every official that thinks that they have the solution instead of God having the solution, could you imagine the greatest to the least repenting? That happened. How did it happen? The word of the Lord was spoken. Was Jonah a really gifted prophet? I would submit to you that he's the least ranked prophet. Like he runs from God in Jonah 4. He reverts to wanting people to die again. Like Jonah is like, this is like, can you imagine somebody wrote a story about your life? The book of Tyler. Oh my gosh, like, don't read that. No, 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 no. I, I pick out like a, a verse here or two about my story. I'll be like, no, 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 chapter three. That's my business. That's not your business. You know, like, I wouldn't want you to know. But Jonah's story is in the Bible and it shows him running and reverting. But in the midst of that, it shows God using him in a mighty way. God is not going to use you because you're so impressive. God is going to use you once you realize that you are called to be used by God. I love what Ian Bounds says this way. What the church needs today is not more machinery uh, or better or new organizations or more novel methods, but men and women whom the Holy Ghost can use. Men and women of prayer, men and women of mighty prayer. The Holy Ghost does not flow through methods, but through men and women. He does not anoint plans, but men and women of prayer. And the reason why he keeps on going to prayer is prayer is like, Prayer is like Drano. Now, let me unpack what I mean by prayer is like Drano, okay? Uh, Rachel and I have uh, been married uh, for 10 years, and our, um, my bathroom sink upstairs, uh, this is where, like, you just, you know, marriage, marriage life, marriage conversations. So I tell Rachel, like, Rachel, like, my sink is uh, clogged for some reason. I have no idea what it is. She's like, it's because you shave in your sink. All your gross shaving hair is in the sink, you know? And I was like, this is gross? I thought this was beautiful. Anyways, um, <laughs> And I was like, there's no way, like, my little hair is like, like, just because I shaved, now it's been a year, but I shave, you know, um, and I, I trim my beard, I keep it out of six, I keep it nice and flossy, anyways, okay, um, and then I keep the line strong, I do that, okay, anyways, 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 I digress, I digress, um, but I, 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 um, I guess over a year, those little itty bitty hairs, uh, literally clogged up the sink, and then the sink was overflowing, so Rachel bought this thing called Drano, and this stuff is like magic, you pour it in, put some hot water, <laughs> flows, now, we underestimate every little decision we make against the Lord. 
we underestimate every little temptation, every little thing that happens. Because I would never think that one little itty bitty hair from my face would end up clogging uh, for water to flow. And what Drano does is it clears it out. And what, what Ian Bounds is saying is what the church needs today is people that would get with the Lord. Because when you pray, it moves things that is clogging your life that should never be in your life. It moves pride. It moves apathy. I mean, if you don't know the reason why Jonah didn't want to go to um, uh, Nineveh was one reason. He's, he was a cynic. He didn't think that it could even change. He's like, they can't change. They're the worst of the worst. When you start praying, it starts moving your cynicism out of the way. Uh, another reason why he didn't uh, want to go to Nineveh is he didn't care. It didn't affect him. He didn't care about the Ninevites. They're not my people. They're not me. I'm a this and they're them. I don't care if they go to hell. Bottom line, you start praying, it takes your apathy and moves it out of the way. Yeah. Another reason why he didn't want to go is just pride. He thought he was better than them. I, I'm not going to go to those people. I'm, I'm superior to them. I'm, I'm not a sinner like they are. When you start to pray, the, the prayer is like a drain. It moves pride out of the way starts to clear your life up so God can actually flow through your life. You would love people you never would love. You would preach things you never would preach because when you start to pray to God, it cleans you up and makes you what I would say like a, a clean pipe for the Holy Spirit to flow through. Can I get an amen for that? He goes on and preaches and it's revival. Uh, everybody puts on sackcloth. That was a representation of, of repenting. And I just want to touch on revival real quick because you know, anybody following the Ashbury Revival thing? It's, it's, it's amazing, you know, it's, it's messy, it's, it's beautiful, you know, Night Revival looks the same, uh, but it's an amazing thing when you see just hunger for God uh, pour out like that for, for days upon days. And uh, there's one thing that uh, I wanted to communicate to our church, because we're contending for revival. And revival is an interesting word. All we're contending for is that the dead would come to life. That those far from God would come to know God. That's what revival is. That sleepy Christians would wake up. That the city would become better and brighter. Revival, all it means is coming to life. It's coming to your, your, your full fruition of who you're supposed to be. And so we're, we're contending that the Bay Area would come to fullness. That it would come to the fullness of life. That, that, that the promise in John 10 that God would give an abundant life and it would reign in this region. So we're contending for that. So what do you need for that to happen? Well, Jonah 3 shows us the main ingredients not A ingredients, the main ingredients, and it's simply this. You read Acts 2, Acts 4, Acts 6, Acts 11, Acts 19. Every time uh, throughout the early church when there was revival, one thing was happening, the word of God was preached. Let me, let me show you. Uh, in the 1700s uh, uh, with John Wesley, the Great Awakening in England, uh, it was marked by John Wesley going in the streets and doing street preaching. Be like me going on Locust and Mount Diablo and standing on a stool and saying, Jesus is real. Does anybody want to get saved? And I would share a message, and some people would get saved, and some people would think I'd be weird. That, was, that, that worked in the 1700s. I'm not saying it worked today. That's why the things evolved, okay? Um, and then uh, across the pond, George Whitfield, he traveled 5,000 miles, preached 350 times, uh, went city to city in America in one year, and just started preaching the word. And the title of his message was, What Must I Do to Be Saved? And so George, George Whitfield just preaching the gospel. Well, in the 1700s in England and the 1700s in America, the first great awakening happened. And if you can just picture what is happening is the word of God is being planted in America. The word of God is being planted in England. And when the word is planted, shame's days are numbered. Division's days are numbered. Death's days are numbered. And revival's days are just, it's like a, a clock. It's about to happen. And so, so we see that in, in America. The New York uh, revival, the Great Awakening, a uh, second Great Awakening uh, in the 1800s, where 80,000 New Yorkers got saved like that, was preaching and praying. Uh, the Azusa Street revival was miracles, speaking tongues, and preaching. And then, of course, the Welsh revival was preaching. A young man came up and just said, hey, we need to repent. We need to uh, mourn over our sin, and we need to declare the name of Jesus. 
and we should be unashamed of it. And that literally, a revival happened. If you want to have a revival happen in your family or in your region, this is what I love about it. A personal revival, because you heard the word, makes you start talking about the word. And a personal revival leads to a regional revival. A personal revival leads to a family's revival. When my buddy Drew got saved and I got saved, our families could not be around us and not hear about our story. Not, 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 not over the top, you know, bashing people with it, but just inviting people, sharing the goodness of God. And when the word of God is preached in the Bay Area more and more, watch what happens. Death's days are numbered. Can I get amen for that? Uh, if I had time, I'd read you Acts 11. It's the uh, first time the, 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 the Gentiles hear uh, the word of the Lord, and there is a revival in Acts 11. It's the church, church in Antioch. Read it when you get home today. Um, I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. I'm just going to finish with Jonah has a run-in with God. So we looked at Jonah running with God. Uh, uh, we looked at Jonah running to God. And then, we go, of course, we looked at Jonah running from God. Last one is Jonah reverts, and he has a run-in with God. Jonah slips back into his old ways. Everybody in this room, you have your own bends and tendencies. Some of you, your bent is laziness. You just get lazy sometimes. Some of you, your bent is anger. You get angry sometimes. You get offended easily. You know, people just frustrate you. Some people, your bent is you're selfish. Oh, it's all about you. Like, that's just, that's your bent. Well, Jonah's bent was pride and no grace. And so Jonah encounters God and straightens him out. And then Jonah has a day and gets bent again. And that's kind of how we kind of work with it. Two steps forward, one step back. And here's what I love. Thank goodness God uses crooked uh, sticks to make things straight. Come on now. They'll still use crooked people sometimes to do great things. So Jonah is reverting. Uh, he preached the gospel, preached grace, but now he's upset because the Ninevites actually received it and they're going to repent. And he wanted them to have judgment, not grace. So here's what it says in Jonah 4. But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong and he became angry. He prayed to the Lord, isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? This is what I tried to forestall, by, uh, try to for, uh, foresee and foretell you uh, by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you are gracious you're compassionate, and you're slow to anger, and you're abounding in love. What a weird thing to complain to God about. Again, bottom-ranked prophet, but God's still using it. Come on now. God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. But the Lord replied, it is, right, is it right for you to be angry? Jonah had gone out and sat down in a place east of the city. There, He had made himself a shelter, sat in the shade, and waited to see what would happen to the city. Then the Lord God provided a leafy plant and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the plant. But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm which chewed the plant so that it would wither. It would, uh, it would wither. God used a whale and a worm in uh, Jonah's life. I thought that was kind of interesting. I almost named it whale and worm in my message, but that's just weird. Um, when the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die. It would be better for me uh, to die than to live. This is one dramatic dude. But God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? It is, he said, and I am angry. I wish I were dead. The Lord said, you have been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. He's trying to show him compassion. You're passionate about a plant growing, but you're not passionate about souls being saved. He's trying to reawaken his compassion. Goes it, and I should, uh, and should I have not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left? Does that sound at all like the Bay Area right now? Can't tell right from wrong, up from down. So they celebrate what, what we should mourn over and mourn over what we're trying to celebrate. I mean, th this is what's happening in the world right now. 
Uh, he goes on to say, uh, they cannot tell their hand, right hand from the left. And also, there's many animals. I love that part of God. Like, like he's talking to Jonah. He's like, Jonah, there's 120,000 people. Okay, you don't care? Are you a dog guy? There's a lot of labs. Do you like golden retrievers? Do you want the golden retrievers to die? Huh? Beagles? Corgis? You know? Do you like cats? Like he's just, he's trying to awaken Jonah's compassion and trying to get his eyes off of a leafy plant, a plant and onto a city again. I was uh, 27 years old and I uh, was dating a girl I, I thought I was going to marry uh, and I was all about her at the moment. And I remember when we broke up, it was my leafy plant journey in my life. God provided a worm and he took it away from me. And I said, amen for that. Shout out to my baby girl, come on now. Um, it worked out, everybody. But at that moment, as a 27-year-old, I didn't like what the Lord had taken back from me. Uh, I remember uh, just being angry at God, complaining to God like, Lord, I've served you faithfully for five whole years. That's all. I've been trying to give my resume. Like, like, I thought this was my promise on my life. I thought this was what was you were going to give me. And you just took it from me. And, and I was starting a new job that week at, at, at another church. And I remember I was driving on the, the 101. I, I took the 5 to the 101 to the 134 to the 10. The Californians, anybody know what I'm talking about? Okay, anyways, if you don't, watch us now. Um, so I took the 10, and then I took the 134. Okay, so um, so I, take, I took the 101, uh, and uh, I'm driving, and I'm, I'm bawling, and I'm angry at God, and complaining to God, and, and just how dare he take back what I want? How dare he have a worm eat away at what I thought I needed in my life? And again, I was drifting. I made an idol in my life. I made a good thing, an ultimate thing, and um, I thought this was what was going to, you know, give me an abundant life and I remember driving on the freeway and I just felt a nudge from the Lord it's one of those moments I'll never forget my life if you know anything about driving in LA there's moments where you can see actually the the the, the sky the the the, um, the buildings of downtown LA you can see a huge part of the valley uh, in LA there's 10 million people I just felt the Lord nudge on me and go are you going to be consumed by branches for the rest of your life are you actually going to say yes to the calling I have on your life are you going to care about the 10 million people in L.A.? Would you weep like this over the 10 million in L.A.? Would you, would you, would you uh, complain like this in prayer? Would you actually be this fervorous in prayer about the 10 million who don't know me? Or will you only come to me when you're upset about a, a tree branch? The reality is, is a lot of us have tree branches sprout up in our life over and over again, and we have to put them in the rightful place. When a tree branch comes, we celebrate it. When a tree branch goes, it goes. But the reason why we are alive is to preach the good news to a broken world. The reason why you have breath in your lungs and why when you go to work tomorrow, the reason why you are literally going to wake up, you have a career, that's great. That's what you're paid for. But the calling, it's what you're made for. It's the reason why you are alive. You are called to tell people about the goodness of Jesus. And here's the deal. You may tell people about Jesus for two weeks and you still see only weeds and only crabgrass. But the word is planted and shame and division and death, their days are numbered now because the church is now preaching the word of the Lord again. Will you bow your heads with me? I don't know if it's your first time or second time in church. We want to say yes to salvation, yes to heaven, no to hell. We want to say yes to blessing, no to cursing. It's a very simple question, but it will change your life. We want to say yes to salvation. On the count of three, when you raise your hand, it's a response time. If you want to say yes to Jesus. If you want to say yes to salvation. On the count of three, raise your hand, catch my eye. One, two, three. Raise it up and raise it up. I want to say yes to Jesus. I see you and I see you, I see you, I see you. I see hands all over today. People saying yes. We, we can clap for that, church. We can clap for that. Come on. Would you stand up? We're going to pray. Repeat after me. Jesus, 
come into my life today. I declare you are my Savior. I say goodbye to my past and hello to my promises. Today, I declare I no longer run from you. I'm running with you. And everybody said? Thanks again for listening to the Mission Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Bay Area, we invite you to come join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at missionchurchca.com. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.